Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. All right, as you are making your way back to your seats, All right. Uh, Well, again, if you were not here this morning, this is the day that the Lord has made, and we are going to be glad and rejoice in it. Uh, I want to share a passage of Scripture with you, uh, and we're going to walk through it. So if you have uh, a Bible, open it up to the book of John. The book of John, chapter 20. Uh, The book of John is the fourth book in the uh, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, chapter 20. And if you don't have a Bible, there's one under the seat to the left of you, to the right of you, to the front or to the back of you. Uh, And we're going to read through uh, this passage of Scripture. John chapter 20, starting in verse 24. Everybody there? If you're there, say amen. If you're not, don't. Or yeah, okay. All right, so here, here, here we go. John chapter, now uh, those of you that are not familiar with it, this was a passage, uh, this, this book was written by the Apostle John, okay? Uh, he was one of the people that spent some time with Jesus. He hung around with Jesus. He followed Jesus. He was one of the people that believed him. And then he writes in the latter portion of his life, uh, he, he felt compelled. Uh, and if you know anything about his life, his life was good. And then he met Jesus, and his life got turned upside down. He spent three years walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus, fellowshipping with Jesus. After the resurrection, the death, burial, and resurrection, uh, he spent time, according to theologians, he spent time teaching, but he also was one of the people who was horrifically tortured and beaten. And and, and one uh, historical document says that he was literally boiled in oil, The bad part is he didn't die. And so they exiled him to an island called Patmos. And and one, another uh, historical document says he didn't die there, uh, that when he came back either to Rome or or somewhere in Jerusalem, that is where he died. But he felt compelled to share, and I'm not going to read through this whole uh, book, but it's definitely worth reading. But this is what he writes in John chapter 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, called Didymus, One of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. And this is after the resurrection. After Jesus had risen from the dead, he came and showed himself to the disciples. And and if I can, for just a minute, I know a lot of people, we're, we're, we're of the mindset that, you know, we believe from a Christian standpoint that Jesus is alive. But there's a lot of people that don't. And they have valid reason not to. I mean, it's not your everyday thing that we're telling people that happened. It's, 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 and, and let me just, just hear this out for a minute. If I were to approach you and say, I saw Elvis yesterday at Giant Eagle in blue suede shoes, you probably wouldn't believe me. 
So when we approach people, our friends and family members, and we, we tell them that the reason why we live our lives a certain way and, and we believe this book is because Jesus is alive, they look at us the same way. And they think we're maybe a little off. And they think that's okay for you, but not necessarily for me. Now, Thomas was one of those people. Although he had spent time with Jesus, he had spent three years hanging out with him, he got to know him a little bit. And some of you guys, you have those people in your circle of influence who uh, you hang out with before work, after work. They're the persons you call on the weekend to say, hey, what's going on? They're your BFFs. They're the people that you look to spend time with. When you go to plan a vacation, you look, well, do I have anything planned with them first? Because I don't want to miss out on that. Or you check their schedule so you can go on vacations together. They're the people you enjoy hanging out with. And he spent days and nights. He basically worked and lived with Jesus Christ. But when the time came, because Jesus didn't appear to him, when the time came and everyone came back and said, Jesus is alive, Thomas said, I'm, I'm not trying to hear that. I, I don't believe that. So John writes here, he says, he was not the disi- with the disciples when Jesus came, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see the nail marks on his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them, and though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Now Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because, <coughs> excuse me, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas was one of those people that we walk into every day, and, and, and they're the people that, believe it or not, right now, there are some people sitting, you know, at home or wherever they are, and they're wondering, why did you guys get all dressed up to come to church? Especially, why are you guys celebrating this Easter thing? They'll show up for the Easter egg hunts, because there's food. But then when you start coming to church, although we do food here, they're like, well, why did you guys do all that? They're the ones that, that, that it, it, it makes sense that, uh, and there's, uh, there's whole religions that believe this, that Jesus was a great guy, but they don't believe the other part of the story that he rose from the dead. And Thomas was, was one of those people. And then Jesus shows up to him. Jesus shows up and says, believe. And that word believe literally means to put confidence or trust in. So on the one point, he's standing over here. I'm not going to put my confidence and trust Floyd in the fact that you saw Elvis at Giant Eagle in blue suede shoes. But if we were as we were standing here and Elvis just appeared in blue suede shoes, and some of you might have to wait for him to do the little leg thing before you'd believe it was him. But then you'd be like, wow. Okay, now that I, I really, I really gotta, I, I gotta say it's true. And Thomas was one of those people, like those people in our circle of influence was, who until Jesus showed up, he wasn't willing to believe. Now here's the amazing thing, is that Jesus told him, you know, here, don't just see me, I want you to put your 
hand in the scar. I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this isn't just some guy dressed like me. Put your hands in the scars, the scars that I received on the cross, dying for your sins. I received these scars paying the price for you. Imagine, uh, you know, if you, and you've seen this on movies, if, if a car is about to hit you and some guy runs and pushes you out of the way and he dies in your place. That car should have hit you, but he stepped in front of it for you. And obviously that impact killed him, so he's got some internal damage, he's got some broken bones that only could have been received that way. Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to not have any doubt in your mind that this is me. And I don't want you to think that somehow that, that there was this wild uh, thing that happened to where, you know, we went back in time. And I want you to know that I died. They put, touched the scars, feel the wounds, see that it's real, and now I'm back. I'm alive. Now Thomas makes a, a miraculous statement because then he turns around and he says this. And this is just awesome. He says, now he doesn't, we're not told, he doesn't go forward and put his hand in his side as Jesus offers. He doesn't go forward and touch the scars on his hands as, as Jesus offered. But just in seeing physically Jesus manifested before him, he makes an amazing statement. He says, wow, I know it's Jesus, you're my Lord, which he had repeatedly called him. The word Lord is a word that means you're my master, meaning I submit to you. But now he adds in, and Thomas had never addressed him this way before. You're not just my master. You were before, but now you're also Theos. You're God. Only God can bring someone back from the dead. Only God can physically die and come back again, unless you're talking about comic books, because they do it all the time, Batman, Superman, Green Lantern. I had to throw that in there. I'm sorry. Back on track. Okay. But only God can physically die and come back from the dead. And Jesus said, I did it. And here's the important thing. He said, I want you to believe it. Again, that word believe. I want you to be able to put your confidence, your trust, and your faith in the fact that I rose from the dead. Now, the rest of the verses I'm going to put up here on the screen uh, this is what he says. Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus says that for you and me, we don't have the privilege of having Jesus show up in front of us and say, hey, you know what, Larry, here are the scars. Hey, you know what, John and Diana, here are the scars. Hey, you know what, Floyd? Here are the scars. We don't have the privilege of, of, of Jesus coming in front of us and saying, I want you guys to put your fingers into the scars, touch the side where I was stabbed, and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's me. But yet, Jesus tells us, if we take that step of faith, that we are blessed for believing without seeing. Now, here's the thing. It's not blind faith. It's not, it's not us just jumping out there and, 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 and making some wild assumption because there's a, 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 a lot of people that, that tell us as Christ followers, we are just putting our blind faith, but it's not blind faith. If you were with us when Stephen went through the, the, uh, the Bible series, there's so much historical evidence, archaeological evidence, physical evidence 
And, and, and literally, literally, there is more evidence to show that Jesus rose from the dead than there exists today to show that George Washington was the first president because I don't think any of us were around then either, but we all believe that, don't we? But Jesus said that blessed, happy, joy-filled are we when we take that step of faith and we believe. Now here's, here's, here's the thing. John goes on and he says, Jesus performed many other miraculous signs. Uh, th- that phrase, miraculous signs, literally means things done that are beyond the capability to do, but they were signs, meaning they were, they were proof, they were evidence. And he says, Jesus performed many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. And if you've ever read through the book of John, there are healings, there are blind people that are seeing, they are, Jesus raises three other people from the dead. A young boy, a young girl, and Lazarus who walks out of a tomb. Three other people that he raises from the dead, all in front of eyewitnesses. And he says, but there's other things, many other things that were done that John didn't record. But here's the kicker. He says, each and every one of those things was written so that we would believe that we would put our confidence, our faith, and our trust in the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Now, this is, this is, this is so awesome to me because it's not just that God wants us to believe. It's not just that. He says, I want you to take this leap of faith and then show up in a building every Sunday morning. That's not all he calls us to do. It's not just that he says, I want you to believe, and then I want you to go about memorizing the Bible, and I want you to buy a big one, because then I want you to go beat your friends over the head with it. That's not what he calls us to do. He says, I want you to take that step of faith, and I want you to believe, because then you will have life in my name. And and if you put the two together, well, here's a, 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 a God who just rose from the dead, and he's saying he wants me to have life in his name, that tells me he just did a miracle, then I'm expecting to have a pretty darn good life as a Christ follower. And that doesn't mean that my circumstances are going to determine my life in Christ. That means I'm going to live my life for Christ despite my circumstances, no matter what's going on in my life. No matter how many people say, well, I don't believe. No matter how many people criticize me. No matter how the government says that the economy is. No matter how things are going, I am going to expect, I'm going to live day to day my life for Christ. And I am expecting it to be stinking good. Because that's how good my God is. Now here's the thing. Once you believe you get to this point of, of, of believing, then there's this point where you start walking, if you ever heard this phrase, walking with God. And it's based on the fact that the more that you spend time with him, the more you get to know him. See, and, and if you've ever been in a relationship, you know the more you spend time with someone, the more you get to know them. Now, if you've ever, how many people have ever been on a first date? The rest of you are lying. Okay, but... <laughs> If you've ever been on a first date, you know you show up in your best. 
you show up dressed nice, you show up smelling good, like Axe body spray for guys, but you show up with your best. You borrowed money from your buddies so you could take her to a nice restaurant. I mean, you put on your best. It may be months, I can only speak for the guys, before she ever sees the nasty mess in your house of how you really live. It may be months before she finds out, you know what? I think he wears that shirt every day. It may be months before, according to some guys, this in Axe body spray is a shower. It may be months before she finds out, well, I can only speak for the guys. I can't speak for the ladies, and I don't want to say anything bad about any ladies because I just won't. But I imagine there's going to be some interesting talks on the way home. Anyway, all right. So it may be months before you get to know each other like that. And the same is true of God. As you begin, as you take that step of faith and you begin to believe, and we've been taught here in the church, we've been told that when you become a believer, the first thing you got to do is you got to go sit in the church and you got to start memorizing the Bible, and you got to start dressing a certain way, and you got to start doing this, and you got to start doing that. None of those things that God says us to do. You know what God says? He says, I want you to believe in me. I want you to put your faith and your trust in me. I want you right now as you are, and then as you go, he begins to reveal a little bit more about himself, and then you get a little bit closer to him. And then as you go, he reveals some more, and you get a little bit closer to him. And every one of us, if we were to ask you, define who you think God is to me. Well, for some of us, God would be the God who, who helped me in my financial issues, and he stood me up. For some of us, God would be the God who healed me. For some of us, God would be the God who showed up and, and healed my marriage, and some of the God who, who saved my children and brought my children back to me. And we would all have a different story because we all have a different walk with God, but that walk doesn't start until we believe. It doesn't start until we believe. Now, I have a video uh, some friends of mine at a church I was at showed, and um, I think I've shown this before, so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. While this video is playing, just ask yourself, as you have been on your journey with God, whatever that is, it's not for me to say what your journey is. How has God revealed himself to you? If someone were to come up and say, hey, since you've taken that step of faith, since you've uh, put your faith and trust in God, since you believe that he rose from the dead, how has he revealed himself to you? Take a look. You are devotion. You are the reason for all my commotion. You 
relief you are advanced and retreat of what to what to whom can I compare you you are my all things new you are the place of my refuge my fortress my rest you are my creativity and the strength of your words to me you are my ability to see hear feel move live breathe you are life and death all at the same time you are friend you are believer you are savior you are redeemer oh lord we praise you and we thank you you are so awesome and worthy to be praised oh god you are today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day you are truth you transcend old age and youth you are timeless priceless lightness and darkness greatness goodness sinless and in a mess like my life you see righteousness you leave me speechless you alone are god I'm going to ask the band to come up. And as they do, I'm going to ask you to just think, did, did, did we put our trust and our faith and our belief in God for nothing? Or did we put our trust and faith and belief in God so that we could have life to the full as he promised us? And for many of us here, uh, depending upon, you know, your background and uh, your church denomination and, and, and how they uh, do things, uh, maybe you putting your trust and faith in God and stepping across that line of faith consisted of saying a prayer. Maybe it consisted of repeating someone. But here's, here's, what, here's what my God tells me. He says, Floyd, it's not about walking into a building every Sunday morning. It's not about signing a piece of paper that says I'm a member of a congregation. He says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus rose from the dead, that he alone is God, he says, welcome to the family. And he tells me that is just the beginning. We're going to partake of communion in a moment, but before we do, let me share a story with you. Uh, We've had a had a conversation with some of you and we've been um and i forget who but we were talking about um this restaurant there's a brazilian restaurant that i went to in virginia and and i'm a fan of meat i love meat i love steak i love bacon if you can put it on a grill i'm happy and 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 here's the thing when you go to that restaurant they have uh they have a little a, a little wooden thing that they put on the table and, and, and the top portion of it is, is green, and the bottom portion is red. And what they do is they walk around. There's, there's a waiter will come up if you want to order off of the, the thing they'll let you. But what they do is they just come around with steak and bacon and turkey and chicken and meat. And as long as the green side is up, they'll just keep bringing meat to the table. I mean, to me, I mean, it's like this far away from heaven as far as I'm concerned. And then if you're full, you just put the red side up. And they they come and they'll see it and then they'll walk away until you're ready again and you just turn the green side up. And and they'll just, you just go up. They also have a little buffet where you can get, you know, vegetables. But 
vegetables and fruit and rice and all that stuff. And here's, this is the cool thing, and I've, I've heard people talk about this before, and it didn't click until recently. When they come in, because they know their goal is we're going to keep on bringing stuff to you. We're going to keep bringing you all kind of food. If I might come. We're going to keep bringing you as, as much as you want. We want you to be full. But when they come and they, and some of you have heard this before, when they come and take your plate, they tell you, hold on to your fork because there's still more to come. They tell you, we'll take the plate, we'll take away your cups, we'll take away everything, but hold on to your fork because there's so much more that we're going to bring to you. And that's the message that God has for us. When we step across that line of faith, that's not the end of a journey. It's the beginning of a life with God. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward and I'm going to pass out something to you. What they're going to pass out to you, just pass these out on each side, will you? is a fork. And it's a purple fork because we associate the, the, the color purple with the royalty and, of our Lord and Savior who is king on high. And I want you to hold on to this. Don't get home and throw it away. Don't let it fall under the car seat. Put it, put it, put it on your dresser. Tape it to your bathroom mirror. Tape it to the middle of your steering wheel so every morning or every time you sit down in your car, you see this fork, what's going to go through your mind is the best is yet to come. There's still more living to do. There's still more life to do. There's still more that God has in store for us that it's not over despite your circumstances, despite the economy, despite who's sick, Despite how much insurance goes up, just take a look at this fork and know that God's not done feeding us and filling us and giving us more of himself. That the best is yet to come. And in fact, if you, if, if you think about it, I want you to think about this, and many of you, depending upon your, your religious background, if you guys come up and, and, and prepare communion, depending upon your religious background, that is what communion is. Communion is God's way of handing us a fork, and he says, do this in remembrance of me. This is supposed to remind us that the best is yet to come. That God hasn't given up on us. He hasn't left us. He hasn't forsaken us. That he is Lord and King and Savior, and there is absolutely nothing that can stop him from giving us the full life that he wants us to have. Now, although when you read in the scriptures, he doesn't say, give us a fork. He says, and the Bible tells us that Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he told his disciples, this is my body broken for you so that we might have a new life in him and whenever, every time you eat it do it in remembrance of me knowing that the best is yet to come and when he gave them the wine and they took and they dipped the bread in the wine he said this wine 
is my blood shed for you. I literally shed my blood for you to show you how much I love you so that you would know the best is yet to come. And I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a minute because if you're here today and maybe you're in a place where either you have experienced something in your life that separated you from God, maybe you were following him at one time and you said, you know what, I'm going to step back or I'm going to walk away because of whatever circumstance that has come in your life and I want to pray for you so that you know the best is yet to come. Or maybe, and I was in this boat, you up in the church, going to church after church, or maybe the same church, but you never took the personal step across the line of faith for you as an individual to put your faith and your trust in God yourself. You believe what your parents did, you believe what the church folk did, but you never took that step yourself. So I want to pray for you as well. God, we pray for those here that maybe are separated from you, maybe have walked away from you, or maybe never actually really knew you at all. They knew church, they knew the Bible, but they didn't know you personally. God, we pray that they would do as your word says. That there's not an elaborate prayer that needs to be prayed. There's not a list of things that need to be checked off. You say in your word, if we would just believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that you rose on the cross, you rose from the dead to show your love for us, that we would be saved. So we're going to go old school. I'm going to ask with every head bowed and every eye closed if you're here today and uh, you would like to take that step of faith, you would like to say, you know what, I just want to put, I don't want all the religion, I don't want all that stuff, I just want to know Jesus. I want to put my faith and trust in him. Just raise your hand, and we'll pray for you or pray with you. Or if you're the person who says, you know what, I kind of walked away from God, I stepped away, and I want to know him again or know him refreshed, I want that new life, raise your hand, and we'll pray with you as well. God, we just pray that you would just fill us with your spirit. That as we prepare to partake of communion, as we prepare to break the bread and drink of the wine, your body broken for us, your blood shed for us, that we would do it holding up that fork, knowing the best is yet to come, that we would do it in remembrance of the new life that you have for every single person that says that I want to believe. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to ask as God leads you and as he speaks to your heart that you would come forward partake of the bread and of the wine and just break off a piece and dip it and if you're in a place where you say I'm not ready to do that maybe this is an opportunity for you to do some business with God and and just let him speak to your heart but as God leads come and partake of the Lord's Supper if you still have your fork would you just hold it up for a minute
Please don't tell me you lost it already. That's okay. Go ahead and grab it out from underneath the seat, from wherever you put it. I mean, I, I know it may seem foolish to some of you, and, but this, this is an act of love. This is the greatest act of love to ever happen in the history of the universe. And it's a reminder to us, the best is yet to come. I know when we think about our life with our spouses, we think it's going to get better. Not because it's bad, but it's, it gets better. We think about our life with our children, and we think it gets better. And when you hold this up and think about what God has in store for you, it's so much better. So I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going we're gonna to end our worship celebration by just singing some praises to God. God, we thank you for the most selfless act of love that's ever been done in the history of creation. You shedding your blood, your bones being broken, you hanging upon a cross, being despised, spat upon, and hated by those you came to die for. And you went one step further and rose from the grave and filled us with your Holy Spirit so that we would have a promised seal from you of your never-ending love. God, there's no way we could ever thank you, but we can leave this place and every day praise you the love that you've shown to us. God, let us not be people that walk out of here and say that we believe, but let us be people who walk out of here and live our life as if we believe. That everyone in our circle of influence, in our home, in our workplace, in our schools, would see in us not how good we are, but how great you are they would see your love. God, that they would see your love. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 We just pray that you guys had an awesome resurrection celebration. Pray that no one gets pricked by a purple fork, but that you would keep them so that you would know that the best is yet to come. God bless. Have a great day.